It's season six of the Oroch Digital How to Make a Video Game Podcast. In this episode, we're talking non-violent games with James Batchelor. I think there was a growing acceptance, um, but that it comes hand in hand with the rise of indie games. Not just the most non-violent games, but also the most interesting non-violent games. One thing I've really learned from doing the non-violent game, and I'm kind of keen to explore, is just the sheer variety of gameplay mechanics you can have without violence. Without, and, and just the sheer breadth of experiences you can give, in a, even in one genre. Arc Digital, how to make a video game. Uh, it's another one, podcast season six. Is it season six? Yeah, yeah it is season six. Ooh. Oh my gosh. They all just start to blur together, Jeb. <laughs> so many great high quality podcasts, that's why not. <laughs> so many content. great high quality, I don't know, <laughs> we think it is. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying. <laughs> We're doing our best, doing our best. Uh, but no, Jem, welcome back. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. I've been uh, absolutely smashing Assassin's Creed Valhalla lately on my new PS5, hashtag just saying. What does Valhalla bring to the table in terms of, like, we we all love, I say we all, I'm just making a huge assumption for the, like, I know the whole world, but we all love a good open world game. Oh, we um, do. And for many, many years, that was my go-to game until that particular part of the market became overly saturated. Um, and I'm, I'm looking directly at you, Assassin's Creed 3. Um, but I'm actually quite enjoying Days Gone myself at the moment, and it's the first open world game I've played for some time and really enjoyed it. So what does Valhalla do that's different to other open world games? Like so, to, to keep it kind of concise and focused. Yeah, so it is absolutely massive, but they're very good at making the world feel full of stuff to do. Makes the exploring really rewarding. There's like mysteries, which are kind of like side quests, I suppose, that you see. And uh, you've got little lights on the map. Gold is treasure and white is there's a mystery and then yeah the mysteries are like quirky little weird things there was a woman who was like trapped in a jail cell and she was like bring me viper eggs and then you bring her loads and she farts and it's so bad that everyone like runs away and throws up and she's like i've had my revenge and that was it and i was like what the hell is this it was so bizarre but then you also have ones that someone's like oh you know i'm avenging my father come with me or there was like a nice cat that we followed we helped this boy catch it and then the cat came to live with us on a ship so there's all these weird little things going on just short little moments that are really fun to discover amongst the actual main storyline quest and then yeah it is absolutely stunning it's so beautiful and i guess you you never realize like the unique features of the british countryside until you see it in a game because i always thought like how is it going to look different to like you know your typical open world there's a lot set in america and then i play in it and i was like no it does look like england it's the different trees and the different lay of the land and it's yeah it's really nice and it's given me a lot of nostalgia for like the countryside which i'm not able to go out into at the moment so yeah, that's my review. <laughs> Women, <laughs> that was pretty good. Farts, that was, that was nice trees. <laughs> no, it's it's totally true though. It's it's really, really true because I mean you'll spend so much time on horseback riding through the many many landscapes and whatnot, and and to see oh that's the first thing I've I've noticed in this season. I say whatnot a lot, so I'm sorry to anyone who's picked up on that. I've I think only you pick up on it because you have to edit your own voice back, so <laughs> yeah. don't worry too much. <laughs> we'll we'll slip in some sort of new foghorn for every time I say whatnot. <laughs> But it's true. Like if I'm driving down the motorway coming back from even just Gloucester, my parents live in Gloucester. So I'm coming back from there. You, you just somewhat drive through the country to get there. And it's it's lovely. You just get these kind of new found, um, well, you kind of realize just where you are. And mm. even Bristol isn't a particularly big place. And certainly the UK is not a big country, mm. but it's got such 
beautiful greenery and landscape. Yeah, really lush. Ambience outside. It's absolutely stunning in places. And we really do take that for granted. Yeah, and it so makes you appreciate that. And then the the, um, the Vikings in the game coming over from Norway where it's all snowy and barren, and they're all saying like, oh, there's so much green. It's so nice to see much, so much green. It's such a, a lush country. And I was like, yeah, it is nice and green. Like, look at these good trees. And we got the, the sun, the, the light, and it's really beautiful, and it sort of comes through the trees, and it's all dappled and everything. It's just such a pretty game, just, you know, riding around. And it makes me feel like, yeah, nostalgic and comforted for home to see, like, the British countryside, which is very nice. Definitely recommend. Part, part two of your review there, wasn't it? Like a two-parter with yeah. kind of sandwich in the middle somewhere. Good. <laughs> Jen's review, the revenge. <laughs> That's really cool. So continuing the trend, um, following the Swordplay episode, which was absolutely sick. It was so, yeah, it was so, so good. good. Brand. Um, so, so good. Uh, again, we're not kind of, we've kind of, we've talked a lot about Miles Horizon, which again is still out there. It's People still are out still there. playing it. They're digging it. It's a really, really fun game. Incredibly fun game to get to Mars and beyond. Um, we're again kind of keeping it fresh something new today Jem what's going on today so following on from the way I was talking about you know Assassin's Creed it's got it's beautiful it's making me feel like all warm and comforted and and happy so today we've got James and Pete joining us and they'll be talking about the different ways that games can make us happy James, thank you for coming on to uh, the podcast. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's fantastic to have you. So um, for people who don't know James, this is James Batchelor. Uh, he is the compiler of Nonviolent Game of the Day, um, uh, the UK editor at GamesIndustry.biz, uh, and author of um, uh, sort of fantasy novels. Is that right? It's a, an urban fantasy thriller is the, is, the, is the tagline I'm trying to use. Yeah. <laughs> fantastic stuff. We'll obviously um, have uh, notes and stuff to all of those great places as well. Um, uh, and um, yeah, so I basically have uh, hijacked, hijacked the podcast um, to talk about things, uh, games that make us feel happy and contented. And I've got a few definitions uh, as to what I mean by that. Um, and then we're just going to kind of talk about um, the difference between uh, games that make you feel happy because, like, you've beaten them, yeah, uh, which I, I guess I'm kind of less interested in, and more games that are give you this kind of sense of, like, a peaceful happiness, a sort of calm, an acceptance of calm. <laughs> what um, I'm hearing is another excuse for me to talk about Harry Potter on the PS2, oh, no. so I'm okay with this. <laughs> more than welcome to talk about those things. Um, and um, I'm going to talk about that, uh, and uh, I think we're going to talk about um, the games that kind of give this feeling uh, what our favourite games are that do this. Um, I talk a little bit about them. But the reason that I'm interested in those things uh, is because of two reasons. One, I'm just really interested in like how people make games that aren't necessarily um, aggressive or violent or have some sort of uh, mechanism that isn't, um, you know, uh, pixel one shoots pixel two and pixel two goes away. Um, but also I'm sort of interested in this subject because... And not to dwell on it too much, but it's 2020, and I kind of feel like there's a, a, there's an interest in games that can make us feel something that are that go beyond like ooh, a grim reality of. Yeah, you know, we need all the help we can get right now, don't we? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Right, right, exactly. Um, so um, let's first talk about. Um, uh, on that subject, let's first talk about non-violent game of the day because this is honestly one of my favourite Twitter accounts. It's incredible. It's it's a Tumblr uh, blog as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's um it's primarily a Tumblr, and the the Twitter is the thing I actually share to to 
point out that I actually do the Tumblr. But I think more people know about the Twitter. I don't okay. know how many. I have no analytics, but I don't think anyone actually clicks through to the blog. So I could just do it on Twitter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and and so um so what was um why did you uh why did you set up uh, uh non game of the day? So I started this in 2012. It was just after the Sandy Hook shooting in uh, in America, and inevitably the shooter had links to violent games and certain elements of the media. It's like, well, it's obviously his his love for violent games that's uh. This made him such a violent killer. Um, mm. And members of the... Bear with me, I have a very small child coming up to my <laughs> office. I'm so sorry. It's all right. Members of the, the gaming community said, so well, no, look, we're not going to... Rather than like the usual, wow, no, leave us alone, we're all fine, the usual kind of you know Twitter response, a bunch of gaming communities got together. It's like, well, okay, let, let's, let's show a kind of a mark of respect and solidarity. Let's have a ceasefire. Let's have a day where none of us play violent games. We'll have a day where we do not play Call of Duty, Battlefield, whatever it is that they were playing at the time. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. And I thought, I wonder what games they'll play. And that kind of got me on the idea of, well, what non-violent games are out there? And do people know about them? So I just thought, you know what? Okay, let's let's just have a go. Let's just set up a, a Tumblr and we'll just do one suggestion a day of here's a game that you can play that does not involve killing. Um, and in theory, I was going to do it every single day. And I am terribly undisciplined. <laughs> um, it's, it's been, yeah, eight years. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be of eight years this December. And I have only done 750 games. Um, <laughs> but if you could only. see the spreadsheet I've got in the background, I've done so, so much. Like I say research, I mean writing a game name down and thinking I must cover this one at some point. <laughs> but I've got, I've got something. I worked this out. I've got it's something like 3,700 games on my to-do list. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I occasionally do like that thing on Google when you say, oh, 3,700 days from today. I have got enough if, if I ever got my act together and did this every single day from today, I would have enough nonviolent games to last up to, I think it's March, 2030. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so stupidly, this is a project that I can never finish. <laughs> so, I have I mean, you. <laughs> so we might actually be, we might be on Mars by that point or at least launch that mission. Yeah, that's true. We, we could, um, we could, um, yeah, exactly. People could be reading the Tumblr from Mars. That'd be pretty incredible. Um, I I think um, I think that's fascinating, and, and it's what I really love about um, long term projects like that is that you get it. Uh, you get a really good sense of um, a sense of a genre or an industry or something like that. And obviously, part of your other work is is you uh, you're obviously UK editor at, at, at GI, and you'll be able to therefore, I'm, I'm sure you obviously now have you know a huge range of knowledge of seeing how the games industry has worked and and how it's evolved over time. So I was wondering with with uh, NVGO TD, like have you have you seen a a change in the way that nonviolent games are uh, approached or maybe even accepted by a uh, by an audience have you seen it have you noticed anything have you noticed any trends within nonviolent games i think there was a growing acceptance um but that it comes hand in hand with the rise of indie games like indie games have been on the rise for you know more than 10 years now but certainly over the last eight they've become more prominent and it really is the indie space that is delivering the most not just the most non-violent games, but also the most interesting non-violent games. Like, I try my damnedest to kind of um, mix up the blog and, and kind of occasionally offer, like, a AAA 
uh, or or a major game, you know, major franchise or something in there, just to kind of prove that look, it's not all just indies. But it inevitably boils down to racing game or sports game. Like that yeah. is it. Occasionally, you get like a portal or something, and that's glorious. But the vast majority of them are indies, or as we're starting to see now, um, indies supported by bigger companies. So things like uh, Unravel, which is an EA original, like that's still yeah. an indie game, but it's pub- backed by a AAA <laughs> publisher. So it's still it's still the indie space that's delivering the most non-violent games in terms of their acceptance. I mean, we've got two key examples this year which I'm sure you're inevitably skillfully going to work into the conversation. Um, <laughs> Animal Crossing has taken off. It's, it's become the best, best-selling entry in the entire series so far. And, you know, the stars kind of aligned for it. It, it happens to arrive as people happen to be stuck at home a lot. And it, and it is that much more accessible to people who may not be into gaming, but do like the idea of just mucking around. It kind of came a, it became a kind of a social space, and I'm sure we'll kind of get all on, onto that later. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is Fall Guys. Now, Fall Guys is one I've had, um, had my eye on since it got announced last um, E3. It's essentially Takeshi's Castle, the game. If rather than foolish Japanese people, you are instead populating the game show with large jelly beans um and and it's glorious because it's, it's not violent like I, I, it's just it's just a bunch of assault cal- courses and okay yes technically you can like push and shove people but it's no more than kind of i mean you see kids in playgrounds getting into more, like, more <laughs> violent fights than this you know yeah, absolutely and and that's 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 really interesting because those are obviously the the big those are games that have done incredibly well and they have either come from either bigger indie or from you know very well established um, games companies. Why do you think it is that um, it has been indie and as you say an indie backed by AAA? Why do you think it is that those are the creators that have um, traditionally been the sources of games that are um, that are nonviolent? Simply because they're they're the ones that can take more risks. They're the ones that can take. They they don't have like massive shareholder expectations against their next project. They can put out a game and think, right, let's see what happens if we make an RPG where you don't kill anything. If that if if EA did a Dragon Age where you do not kill anything and you just do fetch quests the whole time and it tanked, that would be devastating to EA. If a studio, if an indie studio does it, yeah, it might be devastating, but they won't lose as much as a as a AAA publisher like EA would because they're smaller, they're a bit more nimble. Um, and so, ironically, I had a very similar conversation yesterday. Um, so at the time of recording, as part of um, we're run, my company's running a PAX, uh, PAX Online X EGX Digital. Basically, two uh, digital versions of PAX and EGX. For EGX, I did a pa- uh, panel, I recorded a panel session about nonviolent game design. That's due to go up on Friday. And someone said, like, it's very kind of chicken in the egg in that, like, the industry historically markets these you know, very violent, very visceral, very exciting action games like Call of Duty, like, um, you know, Medal of Honor back in the day, like Fortnite, like PUBG, like those become popular. But, are you know, are they popular because they're marketed or have they been marketed because that's what's popular? It's And we're in that loop. You, the industry seems to be in that loop. We cannot seem to break out. You'd be, I'd be stunned if you ever saw, like, someone, okay, like, you know, Treyarch, Make a war game that isn't about shooting in a war. Oh, you'd never see them make an eleven eleven Memories Retold, which was Ardman's game from a couple of years ago, and it was a World War One game where you play. I think it's a photographer from one side, as yeah, and a uh, engineer from the other side, and they end up trapped together. And it's a narrative game. It's an adventure game, you know, a narrative adventure game. 
there are scenes where it's, there's um, there's battles and stuff, but you're never taking part in it. You're navigating through it and you know taking pictures or fixing things. You'd never see a Call of Duty take that approach. It's so, yeah, it's absolutely and and it's interesting to see then uh, companies like and and sort of steering more into the um, into these games that can give you a sort of sense of um, sort of a sort of happiness and a, and a sort of sense of contentedness that are also non-violent, like. It is really interesting to see uh, a company like um, like Ubisoft with its Assassin's Creed franchise do the exploration and discovery modes, right? It is interesting to see them take that core engine and system and art assets and everything and then put it into a space in which the the sort of the interest of it is the navigation through the world and discovering things about an era of time that you could never hope to to interact with on that in that same way and in in a way that is different from being in a museum and seeing an artifact and being kind of removed from it and actually you know being able to like you know run up the great pyramids of giza and and see oh actually these were these were actually white before they were stripped of uh, stripped of marble and stuff like that it is interesting to see those big companies come along and try things in small ways. And again, like EA's un uh, Unravel and, um, and and kind of things like that. But I agree, like, it definitely feels like there aren't, there aren't many opportunities for those companies to do those things. Mm. Um, I'd certainly like to see more companies do those. So the Discovery Tour is an interesting one because it'd be very easy to say, oh, you know, Ubisoft have been a very altruistic and they're trying to, you know, non-violent, they're trying to get more children interested in ancient Egypt and ancient Greece. And the truth is, and it's not a bad motivation, but the truth is they put so much work into that world design and and, and authentically you know, researching the history, they want to show that off. Put yeah. enough work into this and no one's noticing it because they, they're too busy climbing the giant <laughs> genitals on various... <laughs> <laughs> let's do something that draws attention to the work we've done i'd love to see i'd love to have more more kind of sandbox modes where you can just explore a world because mm. okay look at um cd project red um the witcher and cyberpunk like cyberpunk you see videos and stuff i'd love to just explore that world yeah. but you know that if you play it and you wander around, you're going to walk into areas where you're being shot at, or you're going, or the, or the interactions available to you are limited because the interactions are primarily focused on the quests and the missions, which are primarily focused on shooting things. I, the, the amount of work that goes into these fast open worlds that people are doing, um, I mean, I'm, I'm playing uh, Horizon Zero Dawn at the moment, and that world is absolutely huge, and I would love to just wander around and explore it, but oh look, there's a robot dinosaur and I'm dead. <laughs> So, so that's why I've got uh, 300 hours for my one playthrough of The Witcher because I spent so much time just like look at the you know the stitching on this outfit it's amazing or just look at these trees just wandering around looking at things and uh, I'm doing the same thing on Ghost of Tsushima at the moment because the different landscapes are so beautiful and then you've got the different times of day and the weather really impact how they look it's just a gorgeous game so I spent a lot of time just looking around and like what do it look like in the snow what do it look like this oh it's just stunning yeah and and I think that 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 gets us onto the the kind of the 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 core idea here of, of what I wanted to to chat with you folks about, and that's that there are I'm, I've I've been really interested in like is it possible to define oh this is a game that makes you feel happy or this is a game that can help you feel happy or and um and I, I've kind of been thinking about it a lot about well, what do I mean by like feeling happy? So for example, um, I know that, you know, some of our team are, uh, uh, Mike, for example, is way into arcade games, right? And like setting high scores. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that there's there's a sort of, um, I'm sure that there's a level of stress 
that you are that you are experiencing through the game and then at the moment in which you uh, die or you, you beat the game, there is a sort of release. And then getting that high score can make you feel great. You know, it's the same with uh, me and like uh, Tony Hawks, for example. Like if I get a high score or do a really good trick, I'm feeling really stressful throughout the entire thing, but then I feel happy at the end of it. And I think that that's a, that's a slightly different happiness to something like, we mentioned it earlier, Animal Crossing New Horizon, which I think that there's a, a sort of, a, a contentedness and a sort of flow that comes out of those games. I don't know. I don't know if you if you can sort of. Um, uh, I don't know if you understand what I mean. But like that sort of level of it. It isn't a, a happiness from a satisfaction. I guess it's a happiness that comes from a everything is everything feels gentle or everything. Uh, there's very little chance of harm or, or those sorts of things. Yeah, it's just a really nice environment they've created. You know, there's not going to be any, like, shocks. There's not going to be any, like, yet yeah, stressful bits where you've got a time limit or something. It's difficult to do. You're just having a nice, pleasant time, a lot of customization, so you can create it tailored to what makes you feel, like, reassured and, and comforted. Um, I think it was, and also when it came out, obviously, like, the, the, the peak of, like, the fear and the anxiety, it, I think it was a really good escapism for a lot of people where they could create that safe space that they can they can go to and know that it's going to be safe and okay. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. It's, escapism is exactly the word I was going to use. Like, yeah, it, it is... I mean, video games already are a medium to take you to other worlds, but typically those worlds rely... Those worlds and those stories rely on you being thrust into the set of the action, and we kind of want to make everyone kind of a movie hero, as it were. And, yeah, through non-violent games and through indie games, we're starting to see the rise of games where it's like, no, just just be in this place, just be in this in this environment and, and explore and experiment. And and that's a different form of escapism, but one that that particularly in twenty twenty is quite important. Agreed, and 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 that to me is is interesting in that I I kind of when I was coming up with a big list of of games that I, I felt represented this, I found that the, the the list I had was was really varied, but also included games where that wasn't the feeling all of the time. So uh, so a really good example of this, I think, is Stardew Valley, which. I think is a, I think is a, obviously it's a, a fantastic game. It's done phenomenally well, but and there is for the most part a sense of progression and seasonality and being connected with nature, even though you're doing that through a digital device, and uh, a sort of sense of very little can actually go wrong in this space. You know, you might accidentally. Um, you know, sell your vegetables for slightly less than perhaps that you know uh, you you could have gotten for. But generally, there's not a lot that can go wrong. I found a lot of peace in in that game uh, when I played it. However, there is also the uh, the mine section, which is a much more Rune Factory inspired um, combat se- series of combat sequences, whereby you're actually fighting things as you as you delve down a dungeon. You go down a hundred floors and you actually fight little slimes and all that kind of thing. And I definitely never felt that level of escapism, as as, as you guys have, have said. I definitely didn't feel that escapism there because I always felt like I was actually I was in the middle of a threat. And I think that that's and 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 it's the same when I point to things like I think Minecraft is the same. I think Assassin's Creed is the same. Like. Um, when I look at stuff like um, Euro Truck Simulator, I think Euro Truck's a really interesting one in that there is a sense of peace in that you're out on the, you know, the German autobahn and just watching the, 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 the clouds go by as you, as you, you know, 
uh, smash it down the motorway. But as soon as you get into a town, the stress factor is, you know, <laughs> through the roof because you've got to do all of the signalling and and you know just not jackknifing your um your your lorry load when you're trying to park it into the bay. That's hugely stressful. So it does feel as if there it, it does feel as if maybe there is a set of games whereby they are deliberately trying to be just very, very peaceful, very nice, happy games. And then there are games in which that is the majority of the feel, but then sort of, you know, balanced with um, moments of action or violence or something along those lines. Yeah, like one of my favourite games, may have mentioned it before, Harry Potter and Chamber of Secrets on PS2. Mm-hmm. You uh, obviously have like the lessons, the stressful bits, and you, you have to fight things and stuff, but then you just get to explore the world that so many fans love so much that you can mm. just wander around Diagon Alley, wander around Hogwarts, and there's no threats there. Mm. So, yeah, it's and probably having the, the action bits help you appreciate those bits more. You can just chill out and sort of like, well, let's go look at the greenhouses and stuff like that. Um, I'm just very aware that I need to make some sort of contribution to the pod because I haven't said much in the last 20 or so minutes. And this is such a fascinating um, topic because as you guys have been talking, can't help but feel like an incredibly violent person because I've, I'm going <laughs> through all the ones I can see the spines of yeah. that don't involve any, any violence at all. And the only one I've come across is uh, Death Stranding, which I've been playing recently, which is essentially one big fetch quest. You play as a courier, and so you're kind of walking around the landscapes and whatnot. Of course, it is actually quite a violent game, quite horrific at times anyway. But that's quite literally the only game I can see that has minimal violence. Um, that's well, I mean, all I've got to say right now is but, that but, I'm pretty but, violent myself. There is, again, I think that there is a... I, I don't want to... What I definitely don't want to do is is sort of overegg the pudding, let's say, and say that if a game is violent, it is it, that is all it has, and it does not have moments of this sort of sense of relaxed happiness, a sort of uh, the ability to sort of um, spark this sense of uh, joy to it. Um, because, for example, even something like uh, the original um, The Last of Us um, had moments of very. Uh, very delicate beauty and moments in which you would survey the horizon and and feel a sense of calm and feel a sense of wonder and those moments those moments are used throughout the narrative to provide um you know to provide that sort of roller coaster of 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 a, a of a good uh, a well uh, told narrative you know you don't want violence 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 because you you're only ever going to play on one level at that point um, if, if you're trying to do uh, sort of more narrative-based stuff, so I definitely don't want to say that something like Death Stranding doesn't have any of those moments of of, of reflectiveness or, 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 or um, those, sorry on those moments of reflection or, or peace or, or that you can't find an amount of happiness through those through those things. But I definitely feel that there are I, I feel like there are games that evoke this that perhaps we don't usually think about as being happy and clappy. So, um, like, obviously there's, you know, there's stuff like Animal Crossing. I think that uh, that's, uh, it's really obvious as to why that game can make you feel very happy. But I think there are sort of, I think there are two main reasons as to how games make you feel, um, make you feel happy. And that is mechanics and through themes so we've talked a lot about themes i think but mechanic mechanically i think it's it's interesting to see how this happens as well so are there any games uh james that you um find that you find sort of a a, a joy or a happiness or, or a f- state of flow from their mechanics at all um yeah i've, I've 
got a good example I've been, I've been itching to try and get in. Um, but first, I kind of want to make Matt feel better um, about his, his shelf full of incredibly violent games. Again, that kind of goes back to what we were saying about it's the, the big publishers. They focus on games that are primarily action-oriented. You don't tend to get... Like I said, most of the non-violent games I've covered are indie, and you don't tend to get boxed versions of indie games. <laughs> That's just why. Cool. So you're looking at you're looking at a very narrow. You're looking at retail. You're looking at retail titles, yeah. and in this age of of digital distribution, that's actually a very narrow slice of the market. And. Um, mm. It's it's a small pro. It's the biggest and most profitable proportion, but it's in you know in terms of money making. But it, in terms of the number of titles, it's the smallest one. So Matt, don't feel so bad. My, <laughs> my shelf is my shelf is full of violent <laughs> games as well. But if you look on like my hard drive on my Xbox, the stuff I've downloaded through Game Pass or on my on my Switch, like indie games I've downloaded, like there there's a bit more of a balance. So yeah, mm. shel- shelves are misleading. I'm glad. You had it here first. A game that I I find. Flow and it, it's not necessarily a non-violent game, but just the the sheer mechanics of it, just the joy it created. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it two, if I may, a more modern one and a retro one. <laughs> one a more modern one is Super Mario Odyssey, and it's everything. It is the presentation, just because it's it's Nintendo. It's brightly coloured. The music is is rousing, like on almost every single level. Um, but then it's the mechanics, like the the hat throwing. There's so many different ways to master it. Um, but you can just get through if you just do the basic hat throws. But the it's the the shift from the last few 3D Mario games, like you know, um, Sunshine 64 and, and Galaxy. It's like right, you're in this level and you must ke- collect this one or up to six stars. And this one, there's like 90 moons in one level, and you get them <laughs> just by mucking around. You're like, I wonder if I can get to the top of that. I can. Here's a moon. Oh, I wonder what happens if I break that. Oh, I can. Here's a moon. Mm-hmm. And that. You can sit down and play Mario Odyssey for like five, ten minutes and get five, ten moons. And that is a feeling of accomplishment. There's a, a, Every time you gain something, every time you, you get that kind of, well done, that's a feeling of happiness there. Like, games can be rewarding not just in a, oh, I've finally beaten this thing that's taken me ages to beat, but in a kind of, a, right, I've accomplished this thing first time. That can be very a very, very happy experience. Mm-hmm. And I find that a lot with Super Mario Odyssey. Um, the retro, I say retro, I refuse to accept it's retro. The older version I was going to give out, um, underrated game, in my opinion, did Blob. It looked like a Pixar film, I'll be honest. Like, you literally, you play a blob that goes around a world that has been drained of colour, and your objective is to just paint, you just ride through, like, uh, paint pot bots um, to colour yourself in, and you just rub yourself against, like, all the, you just touch the different buildings and, and, um, trees and gates and all the other things to make it colorful and the further you go you know when you start the level it's all quiet and the further you go through the more music comes up and the soundtrack comes in like each color represents a different instrument so like when you touch something that colors you hear up depending on what the the instrument is yeah. and it was fantastic like and yeah there's some stressful bits there's bits where it's like right i've got a strict time limit or i've got a boss battle or something and technically technically i can't include it on my non-violent game blog because there are there are little ink bad guys that you splatter and they are dead but it's it's such a fun game such a happy game and it just comes through this mechanic of here's a world color it yeah absolutely and 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 that's a great example of where mechanics really are uh really are just sort of core to that happy experience it isn't just those themes what about you gem is there anything from your uh you know library where, where you're like this is the game this is the world i like to be in um Harry Potter one, obviously, that I mentioned. I really love Warcraft. I love that um, it can be violent, but there's a lot of different ways to play World of Warcraft. So you can just collect. I did a lot of, like, collecting pet animals back in the day before that became a battle-based system, um, collecting mounts, cosmetics, fishing is quite nice. 
so I like that there's different ways that you can approach it and I guess like I I need a lot of like goals in my games a quest I love story based games but I do tend to play those games in a non-violent way I'll do it like I said with Witcher or like Assassin's Creed Ghost of Tsushima I like to have those quests there that I can then ignore and go just have a look at the plants and have a nice time yeah yeah go and explore those spaces um yeah absolutely and I, I think that um you know there's a lot of um i think a lot of people will look at uh i think a lot of people sort of associate joy with uh with a sort of sense of childishness or um uh, maybe franchises that are slightly childish i know for example you know i mean I, i'm a huge mario fan but mario is i remember back in the mid 90s i remember seeing this headline in a magazine which was that tomb raider was for grown up fans of mario i I, I know i remember seeing it and thinking absolutely not but 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 there is this there is this sense in which things that are bright and colorful and have a sort of innocent joy to them are often sort of um dismissed as childish so if you look at something like um and this has become a, a classic meme now if you see the front covers of um the kirby games you'll see that the japanese versions of the kirby oh, yeah. games are all bright and amazing and lovely and kirby looks in, kirby looks great and, and sweet and cute whereas you see the american versions of the covers of those games and he's got a little frown on <laughs> and and there is this sense in which there's a sort of like not cool uh, like sense in which that is not cool that i think has been more of a western factor than it potentially has been in japan because obviously mm. something like an animal crossing that that uh that had its um well i mean obviously it had its roots in japan on in on the 64 um and i i I feel like games that are that have had that element of places that i want to spend time in i want and i and i know i'm going to feel safe in um i feel like I feel like the West is just now catching up with with those ideas, or, or f- maybe for the last few years, but has done so in a way that is has been different to how Japan has handled it. So, uh, a, a couple of other uh, things I really want to mention are like interactive toys that kind of straddle this line between games and uh, and like interactive entertainment. Go and go back to the mid nineties <laughs> magazines, um, but like. So a big one for me uh, is um, stuff like the Haunted Island, a frog detective game. Um, so it's a it's an adventure where lots of very silly things happen, and it's it's incredibly simple. I, I would I would say that to call it having elements of fetch quest would be to dis- do a disservice to fetch quests. It's super simple, um, but the happiness of it is just simply. You know, there's, there's, you know, there's nothing going wrong here. There's nothing particularly uh, worrying or anything like that. Even though it is a, you know, a mis- it, it it is sets itself up to be a mystery. There is nothing particularly. Um, there's nothing but happiness in this game. And I wonder if there are any uh, other sort of like interactive toys or experiences or anything like that that you found kind of mer- like merge into games, but aren't quite games. That I'm do that. a big fan of a uh, Townscaper. It came out recently and it's really pretty cute little yeah you build a town you can pile the buildings up um and it'll create automatically create bridges and then like sometimes bunting behind them you can choose different colors um and you just create a really lovely little town in the ocean and you just turn it on it's very calming and pretty and it's 
lot of satisfying little like when you knock a building down the little bricks fall in the water they'll plop and there's some birds on there and if you delete the building they'll fly up so really lovely little touches like that it's very nice to play and you can just spend ages just building lots of different towns and people love to share them what they've made people have started building like i saw yesterday a c3po and r2d2 they've built out of buildings so they're taking it and, and the creators like i didn't even think people would use it this way but yeah it's lovely and it makes you feel very talented like i'm now an architect <laughs> that kind of goes back to the whole the minecraft thing of like any any i find any game that is focused on creativity that can be a game that is is designed to make you happy that that is a because the, the the experience you you get out what you put in as it were like the experience revolves around right what is it you want to create we give you the tools to do so and when you've created it there you go that's your accomplishment like you've not you've not passed the barriers that we've set up the only barriers you've passed is your your own imagination your own ability to write i want to build this i have done so um kind of similar to townscaper there's a little it's not as good as townscaper but like there's a there's a game on um uh mobile i think it's called pocket build my i think it's just called pocket build i think it's 99p and it's sort of like a sim city game but you just it's just it's just a model maker essentially you just like right here you go here's a landscape make a town you can make a medieval town a wild west town a modern town like none of this like uh you know typical free-to-play stuff of like you know like timers or yeah resource re- yeah resource requirements like literally just you want to build it there you go build it here are all the tools you need like um and i find that interesting we're starting to see a lot more games on mobile um if i can tangent here like that are just about relaxing and just are about almost kind of, not mindlessly but just kind of like re- in, in a relaxing way just interacting so one i'd throw out here is um it's called hashtag self-care it's a game by um Brie Code. And I say game, it, I don't know if it counts as a game. She certainly I don't believe she wants she wants to specify that it's a game or that it's not a game. But it's essentially it's um it's a top-down view of someone's apartment, someone just staying in bed, and then you click on things around the you tap on things around the room and they unlock an activity. And that can range from you know a breathing exercise to a word game to a numbers game to I think there's one like of like uh pruning and clipping a, a tree and like and the the, the message come, keeps coming up in the games like there's no time limit here there's no score there's no competition there is just us and our time to relax we need and the whole the whole game has been designed to teach people you need to remember to relax you need to remember to take time for yourself and just chill out i i think that that sort of thing really helps and that that sort of thing is something that more people should look into this is a really great link as well, um, Plane on Steam. This is a great game in which they, it involves almost zero mechanics. It's, it's a meditation game. So when I say plane, I don't mean in uh, in aeroplane. A plane is in like a landscape, a field. And the, the more you meditate, the more you uh, do this on a daily basis, you watch that plane go from quite a barren, small island, and it grows with trees and bushes and flowers. And, and you, mm. by sticking to your meditation via this game, you create this incredibly beautiful ambience and this this physical world around you and it's it's amazing mm. and and i think that's that really goes to 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 kind of dovetail it all together i i feel like one of one of the things that um that games that that evoke this sense uh, in people i think what these do is they do go to prove that that the medium itself like they're a very easy thing to point to that the medium itself is not just about you know high-end competition and aggression and dominance it can also be about um it can also be about lying around in bed 
doing crossword puzzles. Like it can also be about a sense of mindfulness um, and uh, and about a sense of having this one thing that is yours and very personal uh, to take that time to 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 relax and find a sort of sense of uh, a sense of peace and, and of joy. And I'll throw in one more um, point, and this kind of takes us back almost full circle, like to, to the more action-oriented games and finding happiness in those with a in a way that isn't centered around you know killing all the things. Kind of went, goes back to something you were talking about, Pete, of um, threats. I, uh, would we agree that games that remove the threat or rem- at least remove consequence are more open to a happier experience playing? I ask that mm-hmm. with in mind the Lego games. <laughs> like yeah, some of those, yeah. some of, I play these with my son at the moment. I'm playing through Lego Marvel uh, Superheroes One and Lego Incredibles. He loves those, so I'm half tempted to find some more. Um, the Lego Harry Potter one's very good. Obviously, I, I, recommend I do that. want to get the Harry Potter one because my wife's a big Potter fan. That might be the game I can finally get her into. I re- I'm really excited for Skywalker Saga, but I don't want to play it with my son because um, a friend of it's so a friend of his their older brother has played Lego Star Wars to death, finally watched the films, like the original Lego Star Wars, finally watched the films and was bored because he knew what happens. Uh, but, and, but you look at the Lego games and particularly like as they, uh, uh, you know, the more recent ones, those are actually quite frantic experiences. There's always so many enemies and so many things happening at once. And like, particularly on like the main missions, missions or in boss battles, like you're constantly being bombarded by like, you know, weird little enemies or being shot at by a boss or having to, um, bash loads of things to get like but because you've got like infinite lives because it doesn't matter if you die because you just reappear in in, immediately within say you know two three seconds they still can be happy they still can be a relaxing experience i find myself more inclined to play a lego game than say a call of duty or something because you know yeah call of duty if i die right i've got to start all over again Lego. Okay, well that's fine. That's annoying, but we'll carry on. I, I I completely agree with you, and I think that that distinction. It isn't that there is. You're absolutely right. There can still be threat. It's just consequence. I think I think you're right in that the the games that that make you feel uh, can can help you feel uh, like that level of joy. They do remove consequence. So, for example. Um, it's the difference between creativity and survival mode in Minecraft. It's the difference between playing online in uh, Skate 3 and just going and skating for the fun of it. Um, you know, the, when you remove the consequences from a game, it almost feels, it takes that pressure away. And I think pressure is and, and consequence are basically two of the main things that sort of uh, denigrate the ability for a game to get you into that that mode of 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 happiness i would say nintendo obviously experimented with this over the years like it was like the super guide mode i think it was like if you die too many times you you get the option of being invincible uh, invincible sorry and i think with star fox zero like you could from the beginning you could play a mode through a mode and you were invincible from the beginning and i saw someone on twitter come on i remember who it was but it's like it's hilarious. Everyone was like, well, why are you doing that? It's just removing the challenge. You had a certain, a very vocal minority minority yeah. going about, well, this is ruining the experience. It's like, one thing I've really learned from doing the non-violent game, and I'm kind of keen to explore, is just the sheer variety of gameplay mechanics you can have without violence. without And, and just the sheer breadth of experiences you can give, in a, even in one genre. I'm going to give football. I don't like football, 
But with and, and people, some people say, "Oh, well, FIFA's violent because you can tackle people." <laughs> but football games alone, when you when you're focusing on trying to come up with something different, there are football games out there. There's Football Manager, obviously, which is more just about taking the back seat. There are football games. There are uh, more casual football games like uh, Behold the Kickmen. There's I think it's called Soccer Tactics and Glory, which turns mm-hmm. it into almost like turn-based you know strategy game. There are so so many different things that we can do. There are so many different things we do in life. We don't all run around shooting people or punching everyone in the face. <laughs> we don't smash every building that we see. We interact with everyone and any, every, anyone around us in so many different ways. At least the vast majority of us do. Why don't we explore that through games? Peter, James, thank you, gentlemen. That was awesome talking about that. I'm just looking around this room, uh, Crowbar, thinking which game is it that absolutely just puts me in such a frame of mind where I'm so kind of just chill and just digging it and enjoying every single minute of that of that game game time. And <laughs> I think I, I remember saying in the episode as well that um, I was doing it. I, I was looking around live whilst we were chatting with uh, with Pete and James, and I was just looking at these stupidly um, <laughs> huge amount of violent games I have. <laughs> Which, ironically, you know, whilst fun is probably not the the best suggestion. But they like a cathartic release, though. Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, I'm going to the top shelf where I keep all the retro stuff, and I've got oh, okay, 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 okay. Here's a few. Okay, I've got Sonic Chaos for the Master System. Then you have got Sonic Two, Sonic One for the Master System. I've got Super Tennis. Super Tennis is the Super one. Super Tennis. Super Tennis on the snares. Oh my goodness me! What a game that is, actually. <laughs> That is a staggering game. Then just in front of that, we've got Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past, Street mm. Fighter 2, The Mask, one of the best movie tie-ins ever for the SNES. I don't know about this. Uh, I'm going to have to look it up. I was obsessed with The Mask growing up. Wow, the Mask is a brilliant game. It's it's so stupid, but then it's The Mask. <laughs> yeah, The Mask is pretty stupid. When you watch The Mask, you leave all logic at the door. you know. <laughs> and, and next to that, we've got GoldenEye 007 and Zelda Ocarina of Time. I mean, that's... That one in particular, I remember playing that for the first time, and it was one of those early games, much like Link to the Past, where it just felt big. Yeah, it felt huge, and it felt like I could go over there if I wanted to. Yeah, and I think it's that kind of um, that sort of opening of your mind, certainly as a young child, where you think, "Yeah, that that allows me to just I don't know, just it goes outside my comfort zone because you don't know what's over there and the the challenges you're going to meet en route." But it's such a such a triumphant feeling when you do get there. So that's a really, really good one for me. I think for me, like I've got certain games that are very nostalgic, like as I mentioned before, the Harry Potter games, which I really played recently when I was recovering from an operation, and it was really nice mm-hmm. to sink back into those. But I think one of the reasons I like those games, and then games like Valhalla, The Witcher 3, Ori in the Blind Forest, is they create really beautiful environments. I spend a long time just looking around and chilling out in. I don't always necessarily follow the storyline. That's why one of the reasons I have, I think, over 300 hours now in The Witcher in one playthrough, because I spend a lot of time just wandering around looking at things. And I'm already doing it about Hala. I'll just be admiring the view and I'm like, I wonder if it looks like from up there and I wonder if it's going to look nicer at sunset. So, yeah, I think for me that comforting, nice feeling is coming from exploring those beautiful environments in games. I think you did right. I'm, I'm still trying to find one game, though, that just sticks out above all others as something truly beautiful. I mean, I'm looking at Life is Strange, actually. That's a, tr- a terrific yeah. game. Um it's got some very, very kind of dark moments in it, though. Yeah. Um, but also, it's very, it is very pretty when you can explore certain parts. Oh, oh, it is. It's got such kind of, it's got such great writing, and mm. it just allows you to really kind of uh, uh, 
kind of indulge in all the emotion that comes with that. Mm. Um, so I guess the answer to this entire ramble is that I don't actually have one particular game that, you know, <laughs> it fits all, or ticks all of those criteria boxes. But having said that, I'm looking at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the NES. That's a great game. Um, <laughs> Pete, Pete, whilst listening to this, Peter Willingson for sure will now be humming the overworld theme in his head because that's an absolute chart-busting top, top, top track, that one. <laughs> anyway, Gem, I've been banging on about nothing for the last three minutes. And what a season it's been. It's been so good. I've learned so much and got to speak to so many awesome people who, yeah, with different expertise and stuff, who are really passionate and knowledgeable about what they do. It's been incredible. And yeah, I'm glad we can share that with everyone on our podcast. Absolutely. Thanks so much to everyone who's been a part of every episode throughout this season as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we It literally would not be as good as it has been without you guys. Mm-hmm. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Jem, reviews do the plug go cool so don't forget master rising is out there you can buy it and play it right now head to the red planet um if you get the chance please review it it really helps a small studio like us with more visibility and things um don't forget to follow us on socials you can see like screenshots and all the cool stuff we're up to and we'll share like giveaways anything we're doing on there you can also join our discord and chat to our lovely community and like share all your nerdy passions with us and we get excited with you about space and games and all sorts um yeah so see you there crowbar galaxy get back to the countryside (laughs) see ya